All right. Hey, Valley Creek, I want to take a moment and welcome in all of our campuses, whether you're watching us in Denton, Louisville, Venue, Gainesville, Flower Mound, online, wherever you are in the world, let's welcome each other together today. Come on, we're Valley Creek and hope is here and everyone is welcome and Jesus changes everything. And we have been in a series called Again, and over these past few weeks, we've been taking a look at some significant truths that are really designed to help us live again in Jesus' name. You see, while the rest of the world is choosing to lean back and lean out, we're choosing to lean in. While the rest of the world is trying to wait for the storm to pass, for things to calm down, we're saying, no, no, we're not just going to wait for the storm to pass. We're going to step out of the boat. We're going to start walking on water. We're going to walk on the storm in Jesus' name, eyes up, looking at him. Engaging our life again, breathing again, believing again, beginning again. So we've talked about how to engage, how to connect, how to forgive. It's been so good. So as we get started right now, I just want to ask you a simple question. Does your life feel successful? It is February 2021, which is completely insane to say out loud. Does your life right now feel successful? Because I would say that the world would say that success and they define it by things like that promotion, uh, the early retirement, the social media following. Uh, Success is defined by getting to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. But in reality, that's not success. That's actually failure. Because in the kingdom of God, success is defined by obedience, not results. So if you're being obedient in any given area of your life, no matter what the results look like, you are by definition successful in Jesus' name. Using that definition, is your life successful? Because it's about the obedience to Jesus, not about the results. One day Jesus is talking to a crowd and he says to them, I'm going to show you how to build your life on a firm foundation. And he opens up with this question. Now, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? What do you do with that verse? (laughs) I'll be honest with you. That one just makes me uncomfortable. Why do you call him Lord and not do what he says? Can I just ask you, why do you call him Lord? Is that to get to heaven someday? Is it to, is it to earn brownie points with God? Like, did, did grandma, did she drag you to church one day? Why do you call him Lord? Because to be a Christian is to actually make Jesus Lord. And to actually make Jesus Lord is to choose to obey him. To choose to obey again and again and again And again, not a one-time prayer as a lifestyle. Obedience is a lifestyle of following Jesus, of going where he says to go, of doing what he says to do, of being who he says to become, following him as Lord in every area of my life. When you think about that word obedience and you see a verse like that, you may find yourself feeling really uncomfortable when you first read it. And I got to thinking about it and I realized, man, If we have eyes to see, you start to understand it's not the verse that needs to change, it's me. And in today's world, the word obey has to be one of the most shocking four-letter words in the English language. Like, people do not want to hear the word obey. O-B-E-Y. It ain't got no alibi. It is not popular in today's world to say the word obey. 
But that doesn't mean that that's not what Jesus calls us to, a life of obedience. So here's a question. Why does that word create such a guttural reaction inside of us? Quite frankly, it's the opposite of what the world really says. The world says I make my own way. I, I do my own thing. I have, I have my own decisions. But, but whoever and whatever you obey is your Lord. So if you obey your own feelings and your own thoughts and your own desires, then you are your own Lord? Look around the world right now. How's, how's that working out? I don't think very good. So the question is, how did we get here? How, how did we get to the point where the word obedience creates this guttural reaction inside of us? We kind of wage war against it in our soul. Well, you have to understand that each of us starts with a rebel heart. It's actually inside of each one of us to want to obey. Take a look at this verse, this next verse. See, all of us used to live that way, following the passions and the desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Each of us is born with a rebel heart. Each of us is born with a desire to disobey, and disobedience angers God. And so just to be super clear, it angers God and it costs a price. You see, disobedience extracts a heavy toll. It costs something to have to pay for that disobedience. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus paid for our disobedience through his, his death at the cross. He then came to pay for our life through his resurrection. And through that resurrection life, we now can live. But disobedience is costly. And it angers God to see disobedience in the world. And so we have this rebel heart inside of each one of us. We're born that way. And you know it because parents, if you've ever had toddlers, you've seen this play out in real time. So anybody that's ever seen a toddler or had a toddler, my wife says that, uh, that mobile, nonverbal is like the hardest stage to parent. That is, they're mobile, but they can't actually say words, so it just gets a lot harder from there. And the other day, I was watching this one-year-old with mama, and she was sitting in her high chair, and mom wanted her so desperately to keep her bib on. And so every time, she would go, she'd hold it up over the side, look at mom, no. Mom would get it, okay, no, 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 you put that back on. Okay, make sure you got mom's attention. No, drop it on the ground. All right, here's my question. Who taught her that? Well, the word no, mom and dad say no. No, no, not the word no. Who taught her to walk in defiance against mom and dad? Nobody did. It's inside of her. She's got a little baby rebel heart on the inside of her. And we all start off with that little baby rebel heart. And it's kind of cute, right? And a toddler. But as you get older, it starts to get awkward. And as you try to do what you want, when you want, how you want, instead of what God wants and how he wants and when he wants to do it, you start to realize that something has to be done about this rebel heart. It starts out inside of each one of us. And it actually started with Satan, the very father of rebellion, who decided that he wanted to be Lord in heaven. He wanted the place and, and to do what he wants to do and say what he wants to say and have his own opinions about things. So here's what happens. He's the original father of rebellion. He takes a third of the angels with him. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven down to earth. And we pick up in the story of how we got here in, in Genesis chapter three. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Pause. What we see here is that disobedience is often shrewd, it's subtle, you can't see it coming, it's not obvious, that's how Satan wants it. 
Very unlikely would we say like, oh, I'm planning to murder someone. Yeah, you're right. That's kind of crazy, right? But maybe you'd kill them with your words. Maybe your gossip would, would start to degradate their character and you want to harm them in that way. And that's the shrewd, that's the subtle. And so one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And there it is. Did God really say? From that point on, we learn that disobedience is always rooted in doubting the goodness of God. All disobedience is rooted in doubting the goodness of God. Because what happens is you begin to doubt the goodness of God and you think to yourself, did God really say, is he really good? Can he really be trusted? Maybe I should begin to trust myself. Maybe I should get to trust my own decisions. Maybe I should begin to trust what I want to do. And so Eve took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. And in that moment, doubt was her Lord and disobedience was the result. She doubted the goodness of God. She thought her way could have been better. Did God really say? She walked into disobedience. She took the fruit and that is when sin broke the world. You know, it gets a lot worse from there. They go on and hide, they separate from God, they start to blame one another, they blame each other, they get this disconnect going on, and that's when sin broke the world and it turned our hearts to stone. But Jesus had a plan. He's gonna take a heart of stone, he's gonna turn it into a heart of flesh. He's gonna renew what was lost in the garden. Check this out in Ezekiel. I'll give you a new heart, I'll put a new spirit in you, I'll remove from you a heart of stone, I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you to move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It's so good. So Jesus removes a heart of stone. How does he do it? By grace. It's always by grace. It's always been by grace. It'll always be with grace. You'll you'll walk with grace. You have grace. You walk in his grace day in and day out. It's always by grace that we're saved and then we're moved to follow God's laws, his commands, to be obedient in our life. And so he then saves us by grace and he moves us to begin to follow. So you've probably heard it said, I'm just a sinner uh, saved by grace. That is incorrect. In Jesus, you were just a sinner, but now you've been saved by grace. And because you've been saved by grace, the grace is reaching you and it's teaching you to obey everything he's commanded, all his laws, all his decrees. What you have to understand is that you don't obey to become, you obey because you are. You don't obey to become significant and valued and loved, you obey because you are significant and valued and loved in Jesus. And so that's what grace does, it reaches in and then it teaches you how to truly live By grace, you see, what you have to catch is your redeemed mind actually longs to obey what God says. We think it's the opposite. We think that we want to push away from God all the time. You actually don't. You long to obey and to be the person that God created you to be in Jesus, to actually align yourself, to actually follow what he says and what he wants and where he wants to lead you. You see, obedience is the natural result of heart surgery. Just like disobedience is the natural result if you've not yet had a heart surgery. If you've got a heart of stone, then you act like somebody who has a heart of stone. If you have a new heart in Jesus' name, then obedience is the natural result. Your redeemed mind longs to obey what God is speaking to you. So with every yes, with every step of obedience, our heart comes more back to life. You you experience an actual change in your heart. Ba-boom, ba-boom. Ba-boom, you follow Jesus, and then your heart aligns with the heart of the Father. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Two hearts beating as one. 
aligning with what the Father's speaking to you, with what he's doing in your life. Check out what grace gives us in Jesus' name. This is out of Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That's what Jesus gives us. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus has offered you today. If you've not yet said yes to the grace of Jesus, the grace of Jesus has appeared and it's offering salvation right now. In fact, I'm gonna speak that over somebody right now. Today is the day of salvation. If you've not yet said yes to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Today is when grace is offered to you freely, fully, forever. It, grace, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. What you have to catch here is that grace reaches us and the goodness of the grace of God and his voice in our life teaches us how to say no to ungodly things, how to walk in obedience. Our problem is we spend more time listening to the voice of this present age than we do to the voice of our good father. We spend way more time listening to the voices of this present age, to the social media, to the news, to all those crazy friends who really don't know anything about God and really don't care about his church or have any thought about being part of what God is doing on this earth. We let them speak into our lives and then we wonder why our life is so wonky, why everything's out of sorts, why everything's out of balance. We need to spend more time listening to the voice of our good father than to the voices of this present age. You see, listening and obeying go hand in hand. You cannot obey if you do not listen. You really can't listen if you don't first obey. Have the Holy Spirit move into you, begin to transform you, and begin to lead you to say no to ungodliness, to the wickedness of this world, and to passions. So here's the question. Listening is a critical part of obedience. Have you been listening? You see, God's always speaking. That's not the question. The question is whether or not You're tuned in and listening. Can I ask you, what's the last thing that God told you to do? And did you do it? If not, it's time to obey again. Because success is obedience, not results. In the kingdom of God, success is obedience and not results. So if you heard the voice of God to walk over and talk to that neighbor and bless them, and then that neighbor looked at you kind of weird and didn't understand what you were talking about, that's success. Students, if you invited another student to join you for student circles to be part of what God's doing here inside of our church family, and they kind of looked at it like, I don't even know what that is, but all right, maybe I'll check it out. That's success. If God told you to start tithing, to give away your first and best 10%, to give back to God what's actually his, that's success. When you responded from last weekend and you actually went and reconciled with that family member, even though it was difficult and it hurt and you kind of didn't want to, that's success. In the kingdom of God, success is obedience, not the results. And so what you got to catch is that the two primary reasons that, we've, that we fall into disobedience is that we doubt the goodness of God. Did God really say? And quite frankly, we just don't listen to his voice. So if you doubt the goodness of God and you don't listen to his voice, obedience is really, really difficult. It's really hard to obey again. Not listening to God's voice is a little bit like blasting past a speed limit sign and then being pulled over by the officer and saying, I didn't see the speed limit sign. I know, but a lack of understanding is not an excuse for disobedience. And so we have to lean in and ask the spirit to lead us one next step at a time, one still small voice whisper into our life at a time. Now, when I say that, when you hear that, oh, a lack of understanding, disobedience, oh, no, what am I going to do? I got to learn the whole Bible. I got to figure out all these things. Listen, it's okay. Simmer down. Obedience isn't hard. It's actually simple. And God leads you to obey. In fact, check this verse out right here. 
It says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. They're easy. They're light. Why? Because you're being led by a good shepherd. You're being led by the good shepherd that leads you past still waters. He quiets your soul. He leads you in faith and hope and love. You're being led by the very one whose yoke is easy, whose burden is light. So the very things he's going to speak to you, they're not burdensome. In fact, they're so simple. Look at this way to think about uh, just obedience. It just is this. God said blank, so I will blank. Like Whatever God said, that's what I do. And that's the essence of obedience. So simple, so accessible. The spirit leads you to do those things. So it's not difficult. I think as soon as we hear the word obedience, we sometimes think it's like, a, like so hard, like Charlton Heston, like Moses come down the mountain, like thou shall not. And we start to get fearful. We start to pull away. We start to, to think like, I'll never be able to do that. But you can, you can, you can obey with the power of the spirit in your life. You can obey again and again and again. Uh, obedience, there's, there's just kind of two ways to think about obedience. It comes down to God's standards and God's specifics. So God's standards are the things that are for all of us, right? For all of us, for all time. So that's things like love as I have loved you. That's things like make disciples. That's things like uh, live in generosity and servanthood. Those are God's standards. That's for all of us. We know that. We know what God has spoken into those. And then there's God's specifics for your life. Specific things that God wants to speak to you that may be different than the person sitting next to you. Let me give you an example. Let's say that uh, the person next to you, that they've been hearing that they're supposed to sell their car, and by selling their car, they're going to pay off debts, and they're going to be debt-free and just kind of live them free. But for you, God's actually spoken recently, you're supposed to buy another car that's a really good safe mode of transportation to get you to the new job that he just set you up with. That's a good example of a specific for you that's different than somebody else sitting next to you. Both of those are supposed to be obeyed in Jesus' name. Both of those are different depending on what the situation of the person is. Let me give you another one. Maybe for the person sitting next to you, they're supposed to go on mission. They're supposed to leave this area, go to another state, go out of country, go on mission with God. And so they've heard really clearly from the Lord. That's their next step. But for you, you've recently heard you're not supposed to take that job in another state. You're supposed to stay rooted and established with the Valley Creek family, staying right here and digging in so that you can have roots that grow deep into our church family and thrive in this next season. Those are God's specifics. Could be something completely different for the person sitting next to you than for the person, uh, than for you yourself. And what you got to catch there is that in the Bible, there's all kinds of examples like this. Uh, David was the one that was supposed to kill Goliath. God didn't ask one of his brothers. Uh, uh, Peter was asked to walk on water by Jesus. It could have been John. Uh, Moses. Moses was supposed to lead the Israelites, not Aaron. Like Samson was supposed to not cut his hair and, and get strength. Ezekiel, the guy that we just read about. Ezekiel had a specific where he's supposed to lay on his side for 390 days and then flip over and lay on his side for 40 more days. That's a long time. I'm glad that wasn't a specific for me. (laughs) But whatever God has spoken to you, that's the specific thing he's asking you to obey. Many times we want the full story before we step forward in obedience. We want to know exactly what it is before we start moving forward. But that's actually not obedience. That's called having full control. Having the full story makes makes me Lord instead of Jesus Lord. And so it's actually the goodness of God to say, come, then see, step, uh, then I'll show you more. Uh, Obey, then you'll be blessed. Look at this king in the Old Testament 
It says, in everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and to the commands, he sought his God and he worked wholeheartedly. I love that phrase, not partial heartedly, wholeheartedly. Partial obedience is no obedience at all. Wholeheartedly, obeying right away, the right way, wholeheartedly. And so he prospered. Check that out. Obedience leads to prosperity. Luke chapter 11. Blessed rather are those that hear the word of God and obey it. So there you have it. Obedience leads to prosperity and obedience leads to blessing. And neither one of those are why you obey. Obedience is its own reward. Stepping forward in obedience is its own reward. What you have to catch is that success, doing life on my terms, is not success at all. It's failure. And any success gained in rebellion is not success, it's failure. If I gain that money through cheating, if I get the promotion through stepping on people, if I make all the decisions on my own and try to live life on my own terms, it's not success, it's actually failure. Obedience is its own reward. Pharaoh in the Old Testament is one of the richest, most famous, most powerful men in the history of the world. He was an utter failure. He didn't obey God. John the Baptist in the New Testament, that guy would eat locusts. He wore camel hair suits. Jesus says of him, there is not a man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because he walked in obedience. And so success is not life on my terms. Success is doing life on his terms. And obedience is its own reward. Why? Because obedience draws me into closer relationship. Jesus shows us over and over with his relationship with the Father that obedience resulted in relationship and relationship resulted in more obedience. Why? Because God loves you so much that he wants to draw you into closer relationship. And parents, you know this is true. You know this is true because inevitably in your household, if you've had any children of any age, you have the question where they really believe, they really believe, That your game plan is to be mean to them when you tell them something that you want them to obey. So here's the question. Do you want to be mean to them or do do you love them? I want to be mean to them. No, come on. You love them. You want the best for them. You want to see them succeed. You want to see great relationship in their life. You, you, You love them. And so you ask them to step forward in obedience. And you know inevitably that if they don't, they will get hurt and they may end up hurting other people. And so if they disobey, do you love them less? No. If you disobey, does God love you less? No. Does it grieve his heart to see you walk in disobedience? Yes. It grieves his heart. Because he wants the best for you, he wants the best for me, and he knows that if you disobey, you will pull away. You hear people say this all the time. I feel like I'm just far from God. I feel like God's far from me. God's not far from you. He hasn't moved. Maybe you have started to step away. Maybe your very acts of disobedience are pulling you away from the Father. When we disobey, we begin to pull away. Have you ever ever gone to the beach and put your towel underneath of an umbrella and then go out into the ocean and then later you look back at the umbrella and you're like, somebody moved my towel. No, nobody wants your towel. Nobody moved your towel. You've been drifting. And as you drifted from the point, you feel, you literally feel like you're so much further from where your towel once was because you've been in an environment 
in which you've been drifting along with the world and you didn't even know that you've, you've lost your base point. You've lost your, your, your focus point. You've lost where your intimacy with God is. And so the goodness of God is to draw us closer through obedience into relationship. In fact, active obedience is how you experience more of the gospel in your life. I want you to think about this. Active obedience is how you actually like, experience more of the gospel in your life, more of your identity, more of your relationship, more of your purpose, more of who you are, who, you are, who God is, what you're created to do, more of the love of the Father in your life. Active obedience is how you experience more of the goodness of God in your life. Look at this verse out of James 1. This is an identity verse. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Can I just ask you, in this season, have you forgotten what you look like in Jesus' name? Have you forgotten who you are, who he's declared you to be through his death, burial, and resurrection, your identity? Because if you've forgotten what you look like, if you've forgotten who you are, if you've forgotten your identity, then maybe it's time to obey again. You see, obedience reminds us of our identity, and it also honors relationship. Check out this verse out of John. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. This is a relationship verse. See, Jesus is telling us that obedience is his love language, but it might be different than what you think. Obedience is not God's God's love language because he needs all the love. He's not like sitting in heaven, like checking off all of your acts of obedience. Like he's good. Like God's not served by human hands if he needs anything. Why is obedience God's love language? Because it's his love language to you, through you, for you. His spirit leads you to obey because he loves you so much, he wants to draw you close. You've been drifting in the ocean, the umbrella and the, and the tower over there. And so uh, Jesus' obedience determines our identity. Our obedience determines our intimacy. Maybe you've heard this before. Jesus' obedience determined our identity. It literally changed us. It, it turned us into a new creation, a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Our obedience determines our intimacy how close we actually feel with God. I feel like I'm far from God. I feel like God's far from me. God wants to draw us close through relationship into intimacy, leaning in through obedience. So if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That, you gotta think about that differently. That's not like him like, uh, like assessing a tax, like, oh, you gotta do these things for me. He's doing that out of love. He does it because he loves you so much, he's trying to draw you closer and it honors the relationship. So there you go, it reminds us of identity, honors relationship, and finally, obedience positions us for purpose. Check out this verse out of Titus. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. You gotta catch this. Obedience readies us for every good work. Obedience helps us in the area of positioning us for purpose. Have you noticed in the world recently, it seems like there's like barely any lack of, you know, there's like any vision, there's like hardly any dreams, there's hardly any direction right now. A lot of that is because we're not actually walking in obedience. So if you don't walk in obedience, you don't position for purpose, obedient, ready for every good work, 
And so what's happening is a major lack of obedience in the world today is leading to a major lack of vision and dreams and purpose and positioning for what God has into the future. That's what's happening to us on the large scale. When I got thinking about this specific verse, I, I got something I want to declare over the Valley Creek family. I believe by faith that we've been walking in so much obedience that we are positioning ourselves for purpose in the next season. And just like it says in Acts, I will pour out my spirit in the last days. And your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. There are visions and dreams that God's going to unlock in our church family because we're walking in obedience and positioning ourselves for purpose. Obedience reminds me of my identity. It honors relationship and it positions us for purpose. Active obedience is how you experience more of the gospel, Father's heart of love for you in your life. Active disobedience hurts you and hurts others. And so, if you've had a hard time breathing in this season, maybe it's time to obey again. If you feel like you lost your faith and uh, it's just been hard to believe, you're like, Lord, help me with my unbelief, maybe it's time to obey again. If you feel like you're having a difficult time beginning, you feel apathetic, you feel like life is just passing you by, maybe it's time to obey again. And again, and again, and again. Back to Luke chapter six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call him Lord? Ticket to heaven someday, checklist for God, because grandma or mom drug you to church. Like, why do you call him Lord? Because whoever and whatever you obey is Lord. So he's actually encouraging us, wooing us to begin to obey again. It took me a while to figure it out this week. I was looking at this verse, I was like, okay, this verse strikes me, it's hard, it feels discouraging when I first read it, and then I realized, don't read this verse as a challenge, read this verse as a reminder. We read this verse and we're like, those are strong words, Jesus, a challenge, like, okay, well, read it as a reminder that Jesus is Lord, and because he's Lord, he gets to lead you in every area of your life, not because he needs you to, because you need him to. You need it because that's his father heart of love for you, drawing you into more and more obedience, leading you to the most successful, your very best life possible. You see, in the kingdom of God, success is based on obedience, not results. So it's time to obey again. Let me just finish with this question. What is the last thing that Jesus told you to do and what are you going to do about it? Will you close your eyes and pray with me? So Jesus, thanks that you are always renewing our rebel heart. You're always bringing us back to where you want us to be. You're always uh, leading us to next steps of obedience. I pray today, right now, we will receive this message truly not as a challenge, as a reminder of your goodness and your voice in our life and your voice that gives us life itself. Jesus, 
Will you move even across all of our campuses and every heart and every person that's hearing this, uh, this message right now, will you move in us in a fresh way today? And remind us that it's your spirit that helps us walk in obedience. It's your grace that teaches us to say no to the things that are the desires of this world. And it's truly your empowerment, the empowerment of the saving life of Christ that leads us to live the most successful life we could ever imagine. Thank you, Jesus, that your obedience gave us a brand new identity. I declare over each one of us that our obedience would draw us closer into intimacy in the days ahead. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen.